0: Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit SozoSMTX.com. I, I want to say something that we, uh, you know, I'm a missionary, okay? And uh, from my point of view, missions starts here it goes there goes there and to our feet the only difference between you and i is that i have made a move so to say from my comfort zone you understand i've left my land, my my country and uh, you know, I'm in a foreign country with for, foreign culture, uh, different language and all of that. But what it has done, it, it heightens my sense of mission. The, that's the difference between, you know, you, you and I. Do you understand? You are here. But you are just as much of a missionary as I am. Because we are all... Hello? All on a mission. Jesus has told us, and we will talk about that a little bit later. But he's told us that we are on a mission. He's given us a a commission. Okay? So, uh, I'm going to be, first I'm going to, you know, be somewhat personal with you. If that's Okay and it's uh, you know <clears throat> when i was uh, I, I met my wife in uh, high school and when i when when i was in at that age i was 17 years old i i had uh, you know i was a kind of a how do you say a rebellious child to my parents and uh, you know when you are You know, in that age, and you are very rebellious. You receive a lot of correction, all the time, (laughs) Uh, which I did. You know, and it's really hard for parents because you know, as parents, you want to encourage, but when your child is just, you know, breaking everything, you have to correct and correct. Well, it made, and that those years, you know, they are, they are years where you really need a lot of love and encouragement. And when you get a lot of correction, it kind of uh, does something to your self-esteem. Do you understand? You, you And it did. I, I had a very, very low self-esteem, almost to the point where I would call it sickness, you know. So uh, I was in this high school, and there was a, a girl in this high school. We had some classes together, and she was you know, by all the guys in this high school considered, like, you know, the most attractive one. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, that was, uh, uh, you know, I can... Anyway, and uh, <laughs> I, would, I would, you know, from my point, I thought she was very beautiful and stuff like that. But she sailed in another league, you understand? Uh, there was no way that I would have dared to approach her. you understand, Because of fearing of a no, of course. You understand? So, uh, uh, suddenly, you know, one day I realized that this girl is really interested. I mean, she showed a real interest in me. And then we started to go together, and we eventually married. But that was, you know, knowing that someone that you kind of look up to in such a way loved me. You know, that that was the st- starting of a healing process actually in my life. And then she has become an instrument of really restoring me as a person and being very encouraging and stuff like that. But that was kind of the one of the... You know, I I think that was a God ordained thing in our life actually. Then some some years ago, I don't know exactly how many, I was I've been reading in the Bible many times and I thought this is outrageous. What you know, when John he writes about himself that he's the disciple that Jesus loves. And I'm thinking, how can you single yourself out like that? That's so, that's so arrogant. <laughs> you know, I, I was really struggling with this. With this. I think, how, how can you just write like that? It's like someone in the room, I am the member in so-so So-So church and I'm the one that Jesus loves. <laughs> I mean, and you go telling others. And, uh, you know, maybe that will not fall on such good <laughs> ground, you know. What? Are you, I'm just as loved as you, you stupid nut. You know, <laughs> you know, whatever. You, you understand? I mean, it's. Uh... <clears throat> but then, I. I uh... So I, I made a little comparison. Actually, I started to think because Peter, he was, he said about himself that he loved Jesus more than any of the others. You, you understand? So, so he had a very strong confession, okay? And you know how he failed and, and stuff like that. But then, you know, when, when, uh, when, uh, <laughs> when Jesus said at the last, you know, table, when they were having the, commun- the last supper there, so he said, there is someone here that's going to, you know betray me and and it was obviously not obvious who it was because they all got nervous, and now I'm tempted to joke a lot here, but <laughs> uh, now pray for me <laughs> so so uh, so. But what happens, what happens is that the one that dares to ask Jesus who, it, you know, is actually John. And I think, you know, it just dawned on me that knowing that you're loved is, brings, you know, a very strong intimacy. It is, you know, it's, it's more valuable to know that you're loved than to know that you love Do do, do you understand? I mean, just this thing, knowing that you're loved. So I I changed my view on John there. I don't think it was arrogant or him singling himself out. I just think he is just writing what he knows. He knows that Jesus loves him. And we can... What shall I go on with? anyway i'm i'm you know america you're you're a fantastic group of people i i uh, i said that we talked was it this morning or last night last night you know i just saw on television a few weeks ago these firefighters showing up in in australia where are they from america a friend of mine who has been a missionary in chad and kenya and stuff like that he says you find missionaries out in the bush you know sleeping and living under the worst circumstances who are they americans there you understand and there are no missionaries from other countries and and you you know you are this kind of you know people that drive things forward and there is a still a pioneer spirit in america that that does that that's so good Anyway, so just want to say that. Soak in, if you can, just remember that you're loved by God. And that's more important maybe than anything. Just coming to that realization or having that revelation that you're loved by God. Amen. Good. So... I read a book a uh, few years ago. I think it, it's written by two American journalists. I think they work for Wall Street Journal, well, some, some newspaper up there. Uh, and and uh, they, the book is called God is Back. And uh, it's about, you know, you know, some years ago, basically, you know, the, the, it was this phrase that God is dead. But now God is back in politics and everything around the world. And you need to count on religious beliefs and, and cultures formed by religion in various countries. For example, if you go to war, you know, it's not what, whatever. You're, you're not, I, I think USA, when they went to, when they went to Iraq, they, there were things they hadn't thought about the religious divisions in the country and stuff like that. Do you understand? So God is back, okay? In this book, they, they took the city of Philadelphia and, uh, and they said that they made a research. If the churches combined in Philadelphia would take away all the resources that they put into the social welfare system, it would totally collapse. Because the church takes care of 75% of the social welfare system in that city. Okay? So, praise God. I mean, that's good, good things. Uh, I'm just telling this for you to understand that this is a pretty... They, they are not biased against. Do you understand? Okay? They made a, another research which comes out in the book. And uh, they asked people who confess to be born again... And went to church at least three out of four Sundays every month. You understand? People, church-going people. So the question is, who is the most important person in the Bible? And more than 50% answered, Billy Graham. (laughs) It's interesting. Their Their conclusion... The conclusion for this was that people never personally engage with the Word of God. They, they, uh, they only engage with it when they are listening to the pastor on Sunday morning. And when, you know, when they have left the church building, which you will do in some time here, then it doesn't take very long until you have forgotten most of what you have heard. That, that's that's the reality of things, okay? So so uh, so they said, we have a lot of Christian illiterates, actually. And, uh, you know, when I read that, I thought, you know, the big challenge is not to fill holes. The big challenge, I think, is to make disciples. Re- I mean, re- that's the challenge. You know, e- even in a church like this, the challenge is... To make disciples. And that's... We have been called by God to go... Or by Jesus to go and make disciples. Not to fill rooms. There's nothing wrong in filling rooms. You know, the bigger rooms we can fill... I think in one way better. Do you understand? But but the, the challenge in all of that is to make disciples. And what is a disciple? A disciple is a person that pays attention, wants to learn, and then wants to do what he has learned. That's, to me, is a disciple, very simply. So we, you know, I'm going to tell, you know, our little story. Because, I mean, and I would like to say thank you. I don't know if all of you even know, but you're actually supporting me and my wife on a monthly basis. So, uh, so. uh, I'll tell, I'll tell you a little bit about the work we're doing. We are, we are, we are actually using uh, a model or a method, better say model, and it's called DMM. And it's not in the Bible. <laughs> no, it's not. The, the, we read the Bible a lot, but it's the model is not in the Bible. But it is a good model in the way that it's setting things up For multiplication. It is a slow model initially. And people want to jump on this bandwagon when they see it, uh, the fruit of it after some years. Welcome to the world. (laughs) And uh, sorry if i scared. (laughs) You know, because then it starts to move very, very fast. Okay, I teamed up with a couple of Lebanese guys a few years ago. Some of you have met Fouad, and there's another guy named Nadim because they, I saw this model, uh, you know, at work down in the Middle East. And I used to do a lot of things, initiating a lot of things in the Middle East. Now, I'm, you know, just doing training in the work that we do together. And uh, in Egypt, where we are working... You know, a few hundred thousand is part of our work there. And, you know, at least a couple of hundred thousand and probably more. Lebanon, maybe 40, 50,000. And the the numbers are just, you know, exploding. So it's it's really encouraging to see. We are, where we are in Greece, we are at the beginning of things much more. But uh, it's pretty cool. So I'll tell a little story about how we started to work. Because what you're looking at is someone who is a little bit, I say, a small expert on leading Muslims to the Lord nowadays. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So, so uh, we, 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 uh, I've been on the, down in the, living on the Balkans since 1995. How, give me a time sense, so i don't want to you know speak here forever do you understand fifteen minutes, 15 minutes okay good that's I, I just want to be disciplined do you understand so it's not I can speak here forever, but you don't want to stay here forever so so uh, we we uh, We got this whole flow of refugees in 2015. And then we started to work on the Macedonian, which is the country just north of us. Because there were, you know, tens of thousands of people just sleeping on the streets. And we became a little drop in the ocean there. You know, giving food parcels on a daily basis to to the most needy ones. Mothers, single mothers with small babies and very old people and stuff like that. 2016... The borders closed to Europe, to the northern part of Europe. And as a result, the, it had a knock-on effect. So they were closed down to Greece. To Greece, people come illegally with smugglers, you know. So that border is also in, in closed, but it, there's a lot of holes in the wall. So, so uh, people just make their way through. So we started to work on the Greek side, and then by the summer of 2016, we saw the first four guys come to the Lord. And then it started to trickle in uh, through the fall of 16 and all 17. Then in the beginning of 18, we got a message and then we uh, from someone in Sweden, and through this thing, we found this guy, Arsalan in an in Iranian guy in the camp in, in Thessaloniki. We met him first time. Next time, he had 11 people with him. And then didn't take long, and they were all believers. Okay. And we baptized them at the end of March 2018. And since then, I don't really know how many people we baptized, but we are up to a few hundred So it's uh, been quite amazing, you know. Uh, Later on in the spring, we, through a family that we'd helped for more than a year, we were contacted from Holland at this time that there is another guy in the same camp. He's a Kurdish guy, and he wants you to meet him. So we met with this guy, and then he was relocated to another camp, and when we met him the second time, there were maybe 30 people. So, and I think within just a few weeks, we had baptized 26, 27 of them. Do you understand? So so what usually takes place, and then it has just continued like that. I mean, I talked to uh, uh, another guy that works with us. His name is Jonas. He's a Swedish guy. And just the other day, and he said, you know that couple, Muhammad and Mina, they, Muhammad just gave his life to the Lord this Thursday. Okay? And they have a lot of friends in a town called Seres. It's maybe 20, 30 uh, uh, Afghanis and Iranis that wants to meet with us as a result of them now. So it just goes on like this all the time. You know, we are not opening doors. Do you understand? We are trying our best to run after the things that God opens for us. So we cannot, I cannot take, or we cannot take credit for being, you know, the super evangelists or something like that. We are just going in where the doors are opening. And usually what we do is we come and we sit down and we we explain a little bit of the Trinity. We Explain what it be, means to become born again. Then we explain what it means to, to live the new life. We talk about prayer and stuff like that. And after two or three times, people come to us and say that they want to be baptized. That's their way of saying that now we want to follow Jesus. Okay? And, and you know, I say, for us, it's a real honor because we are you know the first ones to start to to write a letter on people's hearts you know the paul says to the corinthians that you are my letter so we are the first ones to put letter on people's hearts i'm 67 years old now and what an honor it is you know to, honestly it's such an honor i think God, I mean, we do like this. Are we part of this? We're pinching ourselves because it's almost unreal. And I dare to say, you know, that we are probably one of the more exciting works on the continent of Europe at the moment. And uh, we, we, I'm speaking about it here now, but for us, it's quite nice to fly under the radar. I mean, there are attempts, you know, they hear about us, they come and they want to make big publishing. You, you know, I mean, everything can change when, you know, you come into media and all kinds of stuff. So uh, so, so it's pretty good that we are not so so known. What we can take credit for, though, is that we are doing things that no one else in Greece is doing, at least. We are... Uh, working quite hard and uh, we are our, our our field is from a city called Kavala in the east to Ioannina in the west that's 500 kilometers I don't that's maybe 300 miles and then from the Macedonian border down to Athens that's 600 kilometers so we are driving a lot and most people don't get out of the cities they don't what we are doing. So that credit I can take. We, we hear about some people in a, some remote place and they want to meet us. We go there. We, we you know, and, and we. so my working days are many times like from 9, nine thirty in the morning until 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the night. That's when I come home. You understand? So it's hard work. I've, I'm officially retired, but I never worked as hard as I do in my whole life. So that's uh, funny. <laughs> One thing that we have been clinically clean from as well is asking people to become Christians or followers of Jesus. We don't do that. The only thing we do is to present the gospel. And then people will have to, they will have to come and tell us so we don't, you know, push people, you know, to now you need to respond and do things. No, we don't do that. So, so that's quite, you know, I've, when I say that, but how, how do they then become Christians? Well, that's up to them. You understand? So, but we get that. They, they respond. We treat Islam with respect, but we also say, you know, with all due respect, Muhammad is lying. I mean, I've said that so many times. I mean, I hear things, well, with all due respect, mister, that's a lie from Muhammad. It's not true. You know, it's fascinating what this guy has come up with. I mean, they believe the same thing like we when it comes to Jesus being born of a virgin. But no one of us in this room, I hope, Believes that that he came out of the armpit of Mary. That's what they are taught. He came out here. My answer to that is. If he would have. That would probably have been written. Because that's just as extraordinary as being born of a virgin I think. (laughs) So and usually the, the extraordinary things are in there. So it's, uh, and we, we, we see a lot of, uh, you know, pretty awesome stuff going on. I, I, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. So there's this guy, he came to the Lord, his name is Hassan, you met him, Hassan Kahlo. He's now in Sweden and we're actually starting, you know, uh, uh, like a small church up there in Sweden now. I mean, let me say that, I, you need to pray for us. Because I think by the end of this year, our work is going to shift gears. It's, we are on the verge of becoming like a pan-European movement. You understand? Because of people going to other countries. So, so that's, going to, that's a challenge. And we're, we're talking about it already. But we don't, we don't have any answers at the moment. But we, are, we see it coming. Anyway, Hassan. So he came to the lord and then uh, after a few weeks he comes to me and he says Tommy something is going on with me. I said, "Yeah, tell me." So he said, yeah, "I used to be I used to fight every day with the Arabs in the camp. He's a Kurdish guy. I mean fist fights. And uh, now they come and they want to fight and I don't get angry. They tell me all kinds of you know, things into my face. And I don't get angry. I don't get upset. And the other day, this guy, he was really picking a fight. I mean, it was... So I thought, okay, hit me. Okay, hit me. So he did this, and then this. And the guy just looks and walks away. I said, Hassan, have you read in the Bible? What? He said. And I showed him, you know, what Jesus said. You know, you turn... And he almost fell over. He, 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 he couldn't believe. It. And, I, and you know, for him, I talked with him just a few weeks ago. And he said, you know, I told him, you know, reminded me of this. Oh, yes, I remember. That's the new life in me. You, you understand? It's so real. Like you have new life in you. New life. You understand? It's the life of the Holy Spirit reacting, growing, the character of God. I call, I call. I don't call it the gift of the Spirit anymore. I call it the character of the Holy Spirit, the character of Jesus, and the character of God, which is growing in us. Okay, so uh, some time ago we we had to deal with a r- big conflict. So uh, we have one of the our guys working with us. His name is Sevdar, and and he was accused of. Friends, you know, for all kinds of things. And uh, so we went and talked with those people. And then we came to Sevdar and talked with him. And said, we need to bring you together. We need to try to solve this. And, uh, and we talked a lot. And then Sevdar, he told me, okay, Tommy. I will do exactly as you've told me to do when I meet with the guys. And uh, But when we come home, it's my way. My way meant blood feud. Because he said, you know, my honor has been robbed and I need to restore my honor. And my honor is only restored with revenge. And his friend Hussein said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not really like Saddam, but I, you know, in that case. And, you know, I've had conflicts, but they're fine. Now they're fine. So I asked him, so how long time did it take for them to be fine? Which I knew. 30 years. And for him, seven years hiding in the mountains. And eight people killed. Fantastic. That's, that's not the kingdom of God way. Okay, so we talked back and forth, and then uh, I didn't really think of it, but I, I, you know, I I knew this thing, you know, where, where in Romans 12, where it said, You try to make peace as much as it depends on you. Okay, so Romans 12 9 until the end, and then it goes on, and then it says like this that then you let God. Take care of the things. You do as much as you can. And if it you cannot solve the problem, you leave it to God. Do you know what that is? That's a blood feud killer. I didn't think about it. But when we read that, and this guy Sevdar reads it, he just broke down. The word of God just hit him. You know, it the word of God connected to the new life that was in him. And he just broke down. And that was the end of a, uh, how do you say, overcoming blood feud. Finite. Fantastic. I, I, you know, it's, I love it when you see. You, for, for me, I would say working like we're doing now has brought, has given me bigger faith. You know, many times we think, you know, that, you know, you're dealing with people that are, they have no background knowledge whatsoever. They have no clue of what a Pharisee is or, I mean, they don't know anything. And many of them cannot even read and write. You understand? And then you, you know, the tendency is that you want to become God in their lives. And you cannot. And then you see that actually God is God in their lives. Uh, and that is has made my faith grow because it's not we are doing our part but God is doing a lot. You understand? I mean, he is the one. He is the one that moves in. I can only visit. That's fantastic. You know that's being a you know That's good news for you as a pastor as well, because sometimes the burden is just overwhelming, right? But you don't have to be. I mean, Jesus is the great pastor. You understand? I mean, he does things. And you can hear more later on tonight if you come. You know, if you practice in this church one thing, I know I will promise you success. (laughs) Right? And that is John 13, 34. Jesus has given us one command, and that is that we should love one another as he has loved us. And then he says... If, if, listen, if you do that, people will know that you're my disciples. So he doesn't take it for granted. But if you do, you this church will be very successful. If you do. If you treat one another. I'm not going to say what I said to Steve, but you know, the, the fact is... That the one, if you receive Jesus, and Jesus, God is dwelling in you, then you're holy, right? So, how do you treat holy things? Treat, if we treat one another holy, then praise God. Anyway, let me wrap this up now. I think that's 15 minutes. Or so, so uh, this is a, a word that I want to give to you. It's from Romans 12. Uh, This this is for some people in here, Romans 12. So I want you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world by the trance, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove... What is good, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So if you give, usually the best we have is much, it's even more than money. You understand? I mean, money is important for all of us in here. But the best we have is our life. And, and here Paul challenging us to give the best we have. So I want to say that there's your, your, you know, it's not just to give up sins, but it's really to give the best you have, your life. Give your life. And the promise is that you will know God's will. So if you're doubting, you know, wondering about God's will, maybe you haven't given your life. So my challenge to a number of people in here is to give that absolute best. Give your life. Give your life. Okay? Give your life. And then uh, I had uh, this, uh, I think it's your daughter-in-law. Where is she? Is she in the room? Okay. So I went, you can come. Please, do you, can you walk with the thing? I got room. You have room? So I wrote down to you. Okay, I was, I was looking at this girl, and uh, then God started to speak to me. So the word to you is you pay attention to the little things in life you 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 know that's an encouragement or something you pay attention to the little things in life things that makes the normal look or be extraordinary mm-hmm. small everyday things that you do without even knowing about it or thinking about it but it will for an many people it will turn mourning into dancing mm. Let me see if I yeah no that that was for you and uh you know I, I'm, I i just looked at her shirt here you know the one she's wearing that's why i came and asked you mm-hmm. because this is just an you know it's an ordinary shirt right so I asked, "Did you do this yourself, <laughs> or is it part of the design?" It's just a little thing, you know, that makes a, you know, an ordinary something extraordinary. And from there, God just started to speak to me about you. So, when you have those small things that comes in the back of your head, pay attention to them because, and they, it's not going to be like. You know an extra burden for you it's just something that happens all the time it just flows okay so you can bring up the I just want to say that there are uh, and I think the people that will you said you have a ministry team or something there's some people in here struggling with depression and I think, you know, I was prayed for outside by some people and the Holy Spirit just came on me, you know, in a pretty powerful way. So uh, I think they have a minister team here. So if you're struggling with depression and you're in the room, you know, then I would encourage you to go and be prayed for.